When I was a sophomore in college, I decided to take part in Rush to join a sorority. Now imagine it was January in Indianapolis, and I stood outside with dozens of other girls freezing in our winter coats on that very, with that very well-selected outfit underneath so that we all might be seen and accepted by the other young women who would meet us inside the different houses. The process was brutal and exhausting, but at the end of the day, the hope was that we would be called back and offered a space of belonging in one of the houses. Well, that was not the case for me. I remember the moment when my advisor through the process told me that I had not been invited back to any of them. Not one had chosen me to come back. My heart sank. I was sad, ashamed, and angry. Even more so when I later found out that two girls who I thought to be my friends had actually spoken out against me at the one house that I'd really wanted to be a part of. So to be rejected on such a large scale as a 20-year-old college student was devastating. And to be honest, it has left a scar that remains to this day. I remember the night after I received the news. I went to work as a youth leader at St. Luke's United Methodist in Indianapolis. I had a break in my schedule when my mom called me from Tennessee. I stepped outside to talk to her and I started crying. I was sobbing. When I was on the phone, still in tears, a woman, to who this day I have no idea who she was or who she is, walked past me and simply put her hand on my shoulder for a moment before walking back inside the church building. She didn't know me. She didn't know what was going on. But she knew that I needed some kind of kind gesture to show me that I was not alone. And here, here is where I belonged. Well, the rest of that year, I threw myself into school and church work and spent time with a group of friends that I had, and things eventually got better. But at the heart of it all, as with each and every one of us, there was and is a deep need to belong. Today's text that the Redding family read for you is around a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples around what was probably John's version of the Last Supper. These writings are also known as the final discourses of Jesus before he faces betrayal and death. In this conversation, he emphasizes exactly who the disciples are and exactly the kind of relationship he has with them. He wants to leave his friends with no doubt as to what they mean to him and where they belong. The original audience of these writings would have been aware of the role that banquets played in the ancient world. Banquets were dominated by the Roman Empire's system of patron-client relationships. So here you see people eating, there's a lot of excess, there's servants, there's even food on the floor. <laughs> this was a, a power dynamic of sorts where patrons provided opportunities and protection for clients and exercised power to keep people in their place. This kind of network depended heavily on slavery. Even free people who were socially inferior knew that they would have to serve someone in order to survive. Unfortunately, much like today, it was a society that favored the wealthy and the powerful. But here in this text from John, we see Jesus setting a banquet instead of equality, love, and friendship. 
a banquet where Jesus, the teacher, washes his disciples' feet and shares the deep love that will be expressed even after his death. A banquet where the roles are turned upside down and runs considerably contrary to the well-known ethos of the patron-client relationships displayed elsewhere. Here, Jesus is the patron who attends the best interest of his clients by calling them friends, telling them to abide in his love, and who commands them to love one another as he loves them. And finally, that the ultimate love is to lay down one's life for one's friends. Ultimately, he reminds them of where they belong. The world may not fully see or understand them as followers of Jesus, but they have a place to belong. They may at times feel lost or alone, but they have been chosen. They may not fully understand what is happening or what will happen, but they are still called to love one another as Jesus has loved them. What jumps out to me is when Jesus tells them, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go bear fruit that will last. For the times when any of us have not been chosen, hear these words. For the times when we have felt broken, rejected, or unseen, hear these words. For the times we have been searching for a place to belong, hear these words of Christ Jesus. Brene Brown is a world-famous author and speaker on the topics of shame, vulnerability, and belonging. Any Brene Brown fans in here? A few, yeah? She is awesome. Pick up her books, or she has a few YouTube videos, TED Talks, and a documentary on Netflix. But can you imagine spending your life researching shame and vulnerability and belonging? (laughs) She has spent a lifetime studying these challenging aspects of humanity and how people function in an oftentimes unforgiving and cruel world. She has discovered that at the root of it all is this need to belong. And along with this, the need for us to be the most vulnerable and authentic versions of ourselves that we can be. And that takes courage. She says that true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness both in being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. As a 20-year-old college student who was desperately searching for a place to belong, I realized that I was searching to belong in all the wrong places. I asked myself, was I really going to be happy in a sorority house? Probably not. Was I really going to be my most genuine, authentic self? Probably not. But at that point in my life, I may have been willing to change who I was to fit in instead of just being who I was. For a time after that and well into my early adulthood, I found myself at times even walking through the world looking for confirmation that I didn't belong, especially in the moments where I felt lacking in self-confidence. 
So I challenge all of us to stop evaluating people's faces and movements and the ways that they're reacting to us for evidence that we are not enough. As Renee Brown says, our call to courage is to protect our wild heart against constant evaluation, especially our own. No one belongs here more than you. Jesus, at the time that he knew of his suffering and ultimate death, sat at a different kind of banquet table with his followers and told them exactly where they belonged and exactly what to do with that belonging. Belonging is different than fitting in. Belonging is being where you want to be and the people want you there. Fitting in is being somewhere where you may want to be, but the people don't care one way or the other. Belonging is being accepted for you. Fitting in is being accepted for being like everyone else. Belonging is where you get to be you. If you have to be like the others, you just fit in. In Jesus, we all belong. In Jesus, we don't just fit in. We are welcomed home. In Jesus, we are called not servants, but friends. In the Greek, the word for friends is translated more as loved ones. There's a sense of invitation into divine intimacy in these words that should call us to attention of what it means for each one of us. I don't know about you, but I have way too many friends on Facebook. Anyone else guilty of this? Right? When I go through my friend list from time to time, I realize that I no longer know some of the names on there. (laughs) Or I haven't spoken to them in years. I don't know where they are, what they've been doing. I don't know their stories. And the ones that I do see pop up from time to time, I just see their lives unfold through the most happy pictures and the moments that you think, wow, that looks really nice. Right. But we know that's not the reality. So I realize that I have a skewed image of what a friend is because of social media and the ways it works. And I know that I'm not alone in this. Right. So often we find ourselves seeking and receiving affirmation about ourselves from things like social media, depending on how many friends or contacts we have or how many likes we get from that picture it feeds our false sense of security and likability. I know because I am guilty of it. It's only when I step away and think about the places and the people that really see me and know me do I remember where I belong and what is really important. Our families are no exception. On this day when we celebrate and honor mothers or women in our lives, We may recall warm and fond memories of our mothers or those special women who gave us a place to belong. For others, we acknowledge the reality that today is a day where we may feel isolated or sad for a lack of relationship or belonging, or even within our own families. We may ask, do I belong? And that's a hard place to be. So no matter where you find yourself today, I hope that you will hear these words as an invitation from Jesus to remember this. You are chosen. You belong. 
You are accepted. You have an open invitation to the table that is set before you. For me, that day when I was in tears on the phone with my mom, it was that small but kind gesture of that stranger at church that reminded me that I belong. In that moment, that person became the face of Christ for me. The reminder that I am where I need to be. I am called and I am chosen. I belong. So friends, hear the good news that thanks be to God through Christ Jesus that no one belongs here more than you. Amen.